0: If you're growing your career, you have to sort of let go of like all these ideas about what it's going to be and how it's going to look, because you don't you don't know that all you can do is do the best where you are, make a ton of mistakes, because we all do and be open to what comes your way because you just you just don't know how it's all going to play out. And people that's don't true. like that because people like to control the narrative of their lives and their careers. And it just that's not how it works.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have my old friend, Patrick Huey, the global hospitality and wellness leader and also creator and host of his own podcast. Patrick, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me, Steve. I was so excited to get your invitation.
1: (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) to have you here. And for listeners, if you haven't yet, you know we'll always link in the show notes, profiles. But make sure to follow Patrick on LinkedIn because he posts some fantastic things on there. But Patrick, let's always jump in like we always do. We used to get started right away on this podcast. What was your first job
0: in hospitality? My first job in hospitality was as a bellman at the Royalton Hotel back in the day when Ian Schrager owned that hotel before it became part of Morgan's Hotel Group. And it was uh, on 44th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues in Manhattan. And so my very first job was opening doors and getting bags out of cars. And I, to this day, I say it was the best job I had. <laughs> <laughs> I can see with your big smile and good personality, man, the welcoming and, face. And, you know, we were all, there were maybe 10 of us, 12 of us, and we're all guys, which I don't think that happens anymore, but we were all guys... And we were all kind of cast to be different types of, like, types at the door. And we're still friends, some of us, to this day. And that was, oh my gosh, 30 years ago.
1: So what was that like? that's really being Traeger created boutique hotels. What was that like as the first job? Because now I'm curious. is Did you have to go through a long interview process? Because I think
0: everyone was, like, hand-selected for their roles, right? Yeah, you're hand-selected at that well, you were. I mean, not, no one does that anymore. It's probably elite. Yeah. We were all hand-selected. My interview process, it was so funny. I had actually gone to the Paramount Hotel, which was the sister hotel of the Royalton Hotel. And that was on 46th Street and 8th Avenue. And stood in this long line. They, this was back in the day before there was all the internet and everything. So you went to meet people in person on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And there was a long line around the corner from 46th Street down 8th Avenue. So I stood in that line, went in and met, oh, his name was Dave Miskit, I think was his name, and some other person. And they asked, you know, just really random questions. And I was like, I don't think that went well. So I walked down to 44th Street and walked over <laughs> to the Royalton and just walked in the door. And I was like, are you guys hiring? And i like, yeah, we're looking for Bellman. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, was like maybe five minutes and a couple of interviews. I mean it was really it was really quick. So yeah, at that point there were there wasn't a whole huge boutique hotel industry at that time. It was really the big box. The major brands were sort of dominating the market. And then Ian created the Royalton and the Paramount and Morgan's Hotel, those three hotels in Manhattan, and sort of changed the game for luxury, hospitality and for boutique hotels.
1: Did, did it start like right away when you were there was like people coming through the door like celebrities how it was
0: when I was working at Delano or was it just like us oh, is it gonna work or not work what was it like oh no, I saw everyone there. So this was 1992 93 and this was before Condé Nast had moved downtown and so they were still in Midtown. And so we were publishing Central for breakfast and lunch at that hotel. And then you have the whole model scene that was happening because this was in the time of uh the supermodels before they were celebrities mm-hmm. you had that scene going on and then because the mcdally brothers ran the restaurant so this, these names are so from god lifetimes ago but the McNally brothers ran the restaurants and so that was a brian peter and keith of balthazar's which is still there in manhattan yeah so they, they ran the restaurant and so they have that whole foodie world going on and so I met everybody. I mean, you know, Maya Angelou, Diana Ross, Robert Streisand, Robert Downey Jr., Stephen Dorff, Kate Moss, Andre Leon Talley would come through. And then, of course, all the publishing giants, Anna Wintour, Cy Newhouse, Tina Brown. Wow. Yeah, everyone. Everyone came through. We were actually the launch spot when I think it was Estee Lauder announced Elizabeth Hurley as their girl. Was it Lancome? I don't remember. But that oh, all no. happened at the Royalton. Yeah. See,
1: it sounds like a movie. Like this all happened at the Royalton, like a book. That could yeah. be just one of these cool stories. You know, I just saw one for the Chelsea Hotel on CBS this morning. They just did one about everything and who lived there. And it's just really intriguing now to see like all the cool
0: stories at these places. Yeah. And you were a part of it. I was. I can't tell the, the really fun stories. But...
1: <laughs> no, this will keep it PG. PG-13 <laughs> on here. You'll tell me off the air. Off the air. So you're doing that. And how long do you do it? Is it something that is short-lived or are you doing it for a while?
0: I worked bellman? for Ian. I worked for all of his hotels. I worked, my first job was at, okay, this is the funniest story. So I started as a doorman, as a bellman at the Royalton. I was there, I think, for like a couple of years. And then as a bellman, I had a master key to the entire hotel, which I lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost fired. Enough. And fired. But they said to me, because back then they had to rekey the whole hotel. It wasn't just like yeah, it wasn't like a little magnetic thing. No, it was like we have to rekey the whole hotel. So they fired me, but they were like, "Listen, we have <laughs> a job. <laughs> yeah, we have a job at the Paramount. <laughs> we need a bellman at the Paramount. Do you want to go to the Paramount?" I was like, "All right, I'll go to the Paramount." Yeah. So I went to the Paramount for a few months, like maybe a year. The Paramount was a totally different vibe. I mean, Royalton was like an eighty room hotel. Paramount was like three hundred. We had people who lived in the Paramount Hotel, the whole thing. And then my I had to have an emergency appendectomy surgery. And I was out of work and I couldn't work. And so they were like, the people from <laughs> McNally's, from, from Brian McNally called me. And they were like, we need someone to come and be a maitre d' at the Royalton. Do you want to come back to the Royalton and be the maitre d'? And so I went back to the Royalton to be a maitre d'. And I, I was the maitre d' for the lunch and breakfast crowd. So I, I did all the seating. So This is back in, I don't know how it works anymore, but we had, you know, we had all the mastheads of all the magazines and all the lists of who was this editor or that publisher or that duty editor versus that features editor or accessories editor. And so we made these seating charts to sit people at certain tables and who couldn't sit next to whom. So I did all that. That's Uh, cool. Yeah, that was cool. And then I went and worked at Morgan's Hotel as the overnight auditor. So they needed an overnight auditor. That's a big change. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, all right, I'll do that. So I went there and I was the overnight auditor and it was me and the bellman. And I don't know how, but I, I was the overnight auditor balancing all the books for the hotel. That's <laughs> so, that- <laughs> so, that so was good.
1: Introduction into hospitality. Oh, you got me crying a little bit here. <laughs> listeners. I'm crying. He's making me laugh. I love it. See, a hospitality, you never know what job you can do or get. It's just kind of being
0: there and showing up and working hard. And I mean people too, put yeah, their yeah, and, and you know it wasn't like and, and shortly after I went to Morgan's hotel, that's when it became Morgan's hotels. And so that kind of like and I actually went down to the Delano when they opened the Delano. So it was a very different world. It, it was not as core corporate mm-hmm. as it is now. You know, it was much more, it was just much more, you know, you're a good guy. Can you go here? Can you do that? And it was it wasn't like now it's very professionalized this industry. It's not so much the Wild West, but yes. you know that's the way it was back in the 80s and 90s. I think it was sort of like, let's just figure it out. I love it So you're
1: doing it. A lot of people just do hospitality as something that they're doing in between gigs, right yeah. So was it something you always wanted to do? like when you became the bellman? was that like oh I want to work in hotels or was it
0: just like, no. I need a job And no, I had moved to New York. I was studying at a, a, an acting conservatory in New York called Circle in the Square. And I needed a job just because my school, and my education was paid for, but I needed a day job. And it had never even occurred to me to apply at a hotel. I think I was working at the Gap or something. A friend of mine at school was working as a hostess at the Royalton, and she was like, you should apply for a job at the Royalton because they need Bellman, and you'll make a lot of money in cash, and the hours are flexible, and you should do that. So I, that's, why, that's the only reason I ever thought to go and, and do that.
1: I love it. It's such a, such a cool story of how you got yeah. in. And yep. so as you're going through, you're with part of Morgan's Hotels. When do you start making a change out of there? Because, you know, when all yep. my research of you, I didn't know this part of the story, right? I yeah, just had no you starting.
0: About- yeah, but I love it. <laughs> I mean, so I left, I left Morgan's to go to graduate school. So I went to graduate school. And then when I finished graduate school, I moved to California. And that's when I got a job working in a hotel in California. Again, it didn't even occur to me when I moved to California to get a job in a hotel. Like, that's how it was just not on my radar. Like, it was not, like, a career Mm -hmm. that I would think about doing. But I moved to California. Was it for acting? Is that what you are going to do? I got got my master's degree from the Yale School of Drama. And then September 11th happened. So I was like, well, I'm going to leave New York because New York is a mess. A group of us from my school, from Yale, moved to L.A. together. And so we're all out here trying to make our... Mark in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I got a job working at, it's no longer there. Well, the Weston, the hotel, the, the it was the Weston. It was run by a Starwood at the time. The hotel is still there, but it's now called, it's now Fairmont. Got gotcha. it. City. And so at that point, they had a huge spa associated with it called Spa Mystique. And mm-hmm. I started off as a receptionist and I thought it was an amazing job. Have you lived in LA before, Steve? Never. My wife has, but I've never. Oh, yeah. So, wait. So, Century Plaza is a great place because it's near it's kind of central it's kind of between santa it's it's close to santa monica it's close to the valley it's close to you know fox studios is right there Mm -hmm. cbs cbs beverly is not too far away so it was very easy to audition for things so it was great to me for me for auditioning and then they i'm gonna
1: put you on hold i'm gonna go to
0: yeah be right back i go for my star trek audition and i'll be right back so i did that for a year i worked i worked there and i started doing their group group business this was back in the early 2000s so there was tons of incentive business this is the market was booming right. at this point so I started doing all of their groups and all of that and spa mm-hmm. so I started I was started working with the hotel sales team to sell groups and then I would manage those groups I was uh, only selling but I was <laughs> managing the groups when they came in I did that for a year about a year and then I went to work for a company called Amadeus, which is no longer around, but it was a very sort of nice high-end. This was before there were big lifestyle malls everywhere. So they were a, a very high-end spa company, privately owned. I think they had about, about maybe six or seven. You know, California, everything's outside because the weather is so nice. And so this was the sort of real start of the lifestyle hotel, lifestyle mall situation where people live there, nice amenities. Anchor stores were like Nordstrom's and stuff like that. Anyway. right. So I went there and I I ran. I was the spa general manager, I think, for their flagship location.
1: So that was your first time as like the head GM position. Yeah, it was. What was that like? Because I always like hearing this part of the story. Because for a lot of people, you know, it's one thing to work in a place and Mm -hmm. you know be part of the team, but once you're the GM, there's a lot more pressure on you. Did you feel that at this place, or was it still like, oh yeah, I'm
0: I'm all right? No, because I wasn't taking it seriously. Mm. So I was just like, okay, I'll do this. But the really cool thing about it, though, was that in the course of working here at that place that was called Amadeus, the owners of the company decided they wanted to turn everything into Aveda concept spas. And so I worked with a business developer who's still a very good friend of mine for Aveda. Her name is... Well, she's no longer at Aveda, but she was at that time. And we transitioned every spa in the collection to Aveda. And so I was... I somehow ended up being in charge of all of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You're just like, yeah, I got it. Well, because we transitioned the spa that I was running. Right. Which was in the Grove, which is still there, which is at the old farmer's market in LA. It was a huge spa. I think we had like 15,000 square feet, like 14 or 15 treatment rooms, two stories, salon, nails, a huge retail area. And so we converted that location first. And then after that, the conversion went well. We ended up converting all the others. And so I did, I helped all those conversions happen.
1: You know, for a lot of listeners like me, I love going to a great spa, but I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, what is it like once you are the GM, what is like, kind of like the, the minute download of what the day is like for a GM of a spa once you're
0: doing it? Yeah. I mean, in, in that kind of spa, which is a standalone spa like that, or, or, or day spa part of a collection of spas. I mean, a lot of it is HR, human, human, resources, people, culture, putting out the fires of all of that. And then you're also responsible. Obviously, it's not like a hotel. When, you, when you're when you in a standalone business, it's, it's not like a hotel where there is, if spot doesn't make its budget, food and beverage will, you, know, there, you have all these different levers you can pull. When you're in a privately owned business, it is really about the bottom line. And mm-hmm. when you're in a rental situation, it's all about making enough money to cover your rent and payroll. Because private owners don't tend to want to deficit fund anything. They want to make money. And so that's what you you really focus on. How are you going to deal with all the human resource issues that every company has? And then you're really focused on driving revenue, which is why we looked at Aveda at that point, because Aveda had a very strong, and then spa retail is your best profit margin because there's no labor associated with it. You know, treatments are great. And that's what the, the people who come in love. But you have products, you have a person performing those treatments who makes a lot of money. You have linen, right. electricity, High water, cost. all the costs. So part of the reason we switched to Aveda was because at that point, Aveda had a very strong retail component, and we started selling ridiculous amounts of retail out of our retail store. Right. So that was the big part of it. So your, your day-to-day is not unlike probably, well, I'm a gym of a hotel now, so it's, it's not unlike that. It's just you're focused on spa. Anyway, so I did that, and then I went mm-hmm. to work for the corporate office there doing all the marketing because I had a very good marketing head. Like, oh, let's try this idea. And then we would put mm-hmm. it out and do well. And so I did that. But I would get very bored, Steve. Like, I'd be like, okay, I did that. And then I'd move on because, again, I wasn't focused on it. I was focusing right. on being an actor. So I wasn't like, I got to stay here and, like, build a career here. But were you
1: acting? Were you getting gigs while yeah. that was going on?
0: Oh, yeah, I was. I was totally doing it. yeah. And then I went to work for Equinox.
1: Yeah, so that's where my, that's where my research starts with you. Like, I know yeah. that you get to Equinox. To Equinox. And so tell me why you made that change. Because it not like you were growing with this
0: standalone company and you helped change it to an Aveda <laughs> spa. Why go to Equinox? I felt like I had done what I could do there. You know what I mean? Like, I said, like I've said, i done this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not a great, it's part of probably my acting background. Like actors are sort of like vagabonds. Like they're like, what's next? What's the next gig? Where do we go next? And I felt like, okay, I've done this. It's not because I wasn't growing. I was just like, I've done it and i had felt like okay i'm i'm slightly bored and what's next and so there was an equinox it's so the world is so funny there was an equinox next door to one of the locations where i was working and they were like oh they're looking for a spa manager at one of the locations and so this is equinox early on this is like 2005 yes yeah, right? so it's not the equinox that everyone knows now no there were there were that they were in a major expand expanding mode there And so I went to the Equinox that was near this location in Pasadena. And they were like, we're not hiring, but the the Equinox in West Hollywood is looking for somebody. And so I went there and I met the GM and the operations manager of that location in West Hollywood. And they were like, we need somebody. Do you want the job? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I went to work for Equinox which is a cool job. Like Equinox is a really, it's a tough company to work for because they are a results-driven company. They are not, I don't know how they are now because I haven't worked there in years. Yeah, but but when you were there. They were like results, 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 results. And so I figured out very quickly that I was going to be hitting my budgets before the month ended because if you don't hit your budgets there, and it may be different now, the last three days of the month, you had to work basically the entire opening cycle of that club to hit your budgets. And so I was like, I'm not doing that. And so I started hitting my budgets and doing really cool marketing things with them. I opened their property in Westwood. I I helped out with the marketing and the the hiring of the spa director for the club in Santa Monica at that time. So at that point, it was just West Hollywood. Westwood was opening and there was one in Santa Monica. I brought in, I worked with the, his name was Ken. Ken was the national, I forget what they called him. Basically, he was like the corporate spa director for, for Equinox, was not a spa guy at all. And so I went with him. We went to New Jersey to look at this, the, a, a treatment line that we brought into Equinox for all the Equinoxes.
1: So what happens there? You're there, you're there a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And is it that kind of mentality? Like, this is not for me. No, two results I wasn't going to leave, no, mm-hmm. leave
0: Equinox. A friend of mine who had hired me for my very first spa job at Spa Mystique in Century City, when I first moved to LA. That receptionist job? Mm-hmm. That receptionist job was opening the spa at the Four Seasons Westlake Village as a spa director and she was like it was a, it's a huge spa you know it's like 40,000 square feet 28 29 treatment rooms we had a staff of, an opening staff of over 100 people and so she brought me in as the assistant spa director for her to really work as the operations manager for that location and that's when I sort of got serious i guess you could say about my spa career because i couldn't drive back to la from Westlake. it's really far in a day and go back and so i just i said well i said if it doesn't work out i can always do come back to equinox or do whatever i'm going to do so but i took that job and that kind of really i guess shifted my career i guess you could say if you're looking at those sort of moments
1: what was the difference because you worked standalone spa you got to equinox which is a growing brand but not what it is today and then mm-hmm. Four Seasons, which everybody knows is, you know, the ultra luxury premium brand. Did you mm-hmm. feel that when you got there or was it like, oh, it's kind of the same or was it like, oh, man, I need to, to tighten up here because it's not like Morgan's. It's not like these places I was at before.
0: Yeah. No, you you feel the difference because, you know, when you're talking brands that are iconic brands like that, there is a whole you're 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 stepping into a system and you're stepping into a way of thinking, a way of behaving and a way of learning. So. You, you feel a difference. It's not just, oh, I got this. And they also trained you. I was an assistant director. So all the assistant director level positions and top management positions that weren't at the director level are put through. At that point, we were put through a whole training program. So you, we learned finance. We learned marketing. We learned PR. Mm-hmm. We learned food and beverage. So that you really, they're basically tracking you to be a GM no matter mm-hmm. what level department you're in because you always need GMs. And so they they put you through that. So I don't know if I don't know if other I don't know if that's still happening at four seasons, but when I was there, that's what happened. That's amazing where I yeah. was. That's so amazing you, like, to hear.
1: Oh yeah. And, and so what was it like now being in that hotel as part of the spa? Because you hadn't really done that yet, right? You've worked in spas, but now you're combining the two places you've done in the past. Was it more natural for you? Because like, oh, I get the hotel world and now I'm just gonna add the stuff I know from the spa, or was it
0: not like that? So the question, well, it was very interesting because Again, I don't know how things work anymore, but they hired us so early. And you know, openings are always pushed. You've opened hotels, so you know mm-hmm. you're open in November, you open in February or March. Right. Yes. And so I remember they hired me in June of 2006 and then sent me to Hawaii for two months. Really? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> the opening got pushed. But they were like the owner of the four seasons was like Village also owned two four seasons on lanai the island the island of lanai in hawaii mm-hmm. So they sent me there because they were rebranding those hotels into four seasons and they needed just hands people to be there so i went there moved into the hotel on Manelli bay and was there for two months working at that spa
1: i've so heard I- it's, it's just kind of it's a tiny place because we had a previous guest that was the hotel manager there
0: david araya and was like yeah after a year it was time to go yeah, I was there for two months. And then yeah. and, and like I was like, I did my two months. I was like, okay, I got it. I mean, amazing people. I mean the, mm-hmm. the, the people who live on the island are amazing. It's a very small island though. But I was there for two months. And then I went back to Westlake Village, which if people don't know where that is, everyone knows Malibu. Yep. If you drive from Malibu into the interior of it's not the interior, but East of the coast, you end up in Westlake Village. And that's, people, you know, Will Smith lives there. Heather Locklear lives there. It's a whole, like, a community outside of LA. Anyway, so I went back to Westlake and we opened that spa. So by the time I got back from Hawaii, I felt I kind of got what the, the deal was with Four Seasons. And then that was all sort of reinforced by all the different training opportunities and training, training classes they put us throughout the property. So it wasn't that big of a change for me.
1: Was there a lot of t- different touches? Because, you know, I go to, I like to call myself myself like a spa enthusiast. I like going to check out different places. And each place does things differently. Did you find there was a lot more little touches that you put in place at Four Seasons than the other places? Because I think
0: that makes a big difference in a lot of the experiences people have. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the Four Seasons was the first time that I worked at a place that was was interested in Forbes ratings. And so, you know, when you're talking about Forbes... You have to hit all those back then you know the terminology has shifted but it was all about you know elements of luxury and all these touches that were sort of not directly related to the, ex- the service but was definitely driving what the experience looked like mm-hmm. and I know you're going to ask me what they were and I don't remember at this point.
1: Uh, I, can, I, I can
0: say but you know what they are it's like are there flowers in places. And this spa because it was really a project that was about longevity and extending life for people what was put into this property the art was just unbelievable the flower budgets were insane that's um, what i always that's what i always smile at when it's like
1: hundreds of thousands of dollars in flower budget for a property yeah but, tough fresh flowers so you decide look you're making this a career and you're doing well at the four seasons and this is kind of where our story intersects then you end up coming to miami yeah. And I want you to tell that story because I don't know how you ended up here at the, how the story. I mean? Yeah. How does that happen? Because that's a different world. Maybe you could be on Univision and Telemundo, but acting is no more. How does that happen?
0: So I say? had gone to Las Vegas as the spa director of that property, which was the hardest job I've ever had. The For four seasons? In Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Because Vegas is a tough market. And, you know, it's a tough market. And, I had walked into a really difficult situation there. Looking back on that, I would not have hired me for that job. It was not a, a job for a first-time spa director in that capacity. But I did it. I learned a lot. And then I left the Four Seasons in Vegas and came back to Equinox because they had opened. This Life is so strange. They had mm-hmm. opened my first job in spa, at Spa Mystique, had now been t- turned into a, a new kind of model for fitness that Equinox was building so they t- they brought me in as a spa director for there. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's see, like the, awesome. the sort of strange intersections that happen are so bizarre. But anyway, I had gone back to Equinox to mm-hmm. open the, and run that spa. And my friend, her name is Liz. It was Liz Ratcliffe at the time. She and I had met at my very first job at Spa Mystique. And she was the corporate spa director at this point for Viceroy. And she had said to me, I think you should come to Miami and be the spa director for this spa. Prior to her saying this to me, when I was in Vegas at the Four Seasons, a mutual friend of ours had said, you know, they're opening this amazing spa in Miami. That's going to be this huge spa. Philippe Stark is designing it. And I knew Philippe from my Ian Schrager days. That's right. Right. So, I mean, I didn't know him, but I knew his work. Yes. And they were like, they need somebody who can... Run that spa, Patrick, and you're the best person who can run that spa. And they're gonna have these huge 1950s like images up the whole thing. And I was like, I, I didn't even pay attention to it. And then Liz Radcliffe called me. She's like, and I was like, Liz, I have a job. I'm happy at Equinox. She goes, just get on a plane, fly out, meet the GM, and just see and tell me what you think. And so I flew out. I met Florent Gatto, who was the GM, opening mm-hmm. GM. And yeah, I took the job.
1: <laughs> you took the job. And so for That's listeners. Good. You know, I want you just to, it's now the W Brickle, but just go on Instagram and take a look because it hasn't changed much. The design from Fleet Stark is one of the most amazing I've seen anywhere. Is that safe to say, Patrick, you've been in so many spots. Stunning. It's a stunning design. Right. So you get there and this is what I'm curious because you get there at a really challenging time because they opened this hotel in 2008 during a financial crisis. So what is it like when you arrive in Miami, which is a very different Miami than
0: it is today? Very different. I mean, Brickell did not look like it does now. It was an interesting time because I remember when all of that was happening that Miami was kind of the last to, to have the impact of all of the, the housing crisis hit. So it was very scary, I have to say. But we couldn't close because it was a residential area. And how the deals were written, if we had shut down, they would have had to give back a lot of money to people.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that complex, listeners, is... <laughs> 1800 condos and it was the viceroy hotel incorporated into it and so yeah. during the week it was pretty quiet but on the weekend it was crazy yeah so you're there you
0: can't shut down things get yeah. a little crazy what happens and so i to make money i launched a membership for that particular spa which is probably against all the hoa agreements and things like that so maybe you'll cut that part out i don't know but <laughs> it's been long uh, enough yeah so we made it through that and What happened was the person that hired me, Liz, because of all the layoffs that were happening at that point in companies, was either she left or they laid her off. I don't know all the details of that, but she left the position. We'll just say she left the position. And they asked me to take over her role. And so I did that. I was their corporate spa director for four years, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was a big title to get. Like when you got it, was it like life changing to you or you're like, like all the other jobs? Yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm good. What was it like? I mean, looking back on it, I was probably, I probably should have been more like, oh, my God, this is a huge opportunity. And it wasn't, and I, I obviously, I obviously understood that it was a huge opportunity. But, you know, I, I was just like, I can do it. Like, I had done, I've never, I've never suffered from belief in myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I got it. I remember sitting in meetings. At that point, we were opening the Vice for Anguilla. And I had never seen a floor plan. So I didn't even know what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, but I was I, I was like, like oh, mm-hmm. this looks mm-hmm. good. This looks great. Like this So I'm like, well, what do you think? So I went, and I went online and looked up, but you know, what a floor plan, like all of that. And I, I learned pretty quickly, but it was, it was, it was fun. It was, a, it was a wild ride because this was before the the change that happened at Viceroy. So I was working with, you know, Brad Corson and Nick Clayton and Kelly Worcester side by side. And so it was, it was like a great, I feel like I've had an MBA given to me three or four times from working with Brad and Kelly and Nick so closely, working with the Aveda people so closely. You just, you know, you get to absorb just so much knowledge about the hotel industry, of course, but also just about business.
1: That's true. You and know? it's funny because when I met you, was at this hotel and I yeah. had just left the Delano. So I was at Morgan's and they were going through a little turnover and yeah. the HR director, Sylvia Peretta. Yeah. Called me and said, look, I heard about you. Come over here. We need someone to run food and beverage. And when I got there, it was like, "Whoa, what's happening here? It was like at the, it was like recovering time, but there wasn't money to do much. But you were always just like in a good mood. And I remember hanging out with you. I was like learning about the spa business from you. And you taught me a lot. You probably don't remember, but I would pepper you with questions. And you would never think that Patrick was had a corporate title because a lot of times you think of people like that that are so busy. They don't have time for you. But Patrick always had time for me, always joking around, always in a good mood, but would also push me to make sure the pool deck was doing well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because we we met at the pool deck. Yeah, Yeah, I've never been super interested in in my title. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. I mean, no one really cares about that. At the end of the day, people don't really care. I mean, I shouldn't say that. People do care, and it's great to achieve titles, but I think it's way more important, like, to be nice to people and to it's not, you know, and I'm, I'm by no means perfect. Far from it. No, you can right? be
1: tough too. I'm not gonna let these listeners think that you're always nice. You were tough too. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, you got to do both, but yeah. it had nothing to do with the title. It has to do with, no. we got to get something done and let's yes. get it done. But yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So we were there, you know, we all kind of leave at the same time, right? Yeah. Kind of back to back to back. And I remember following you along and, you know, we would touch base here and there on social media and I was just, always amazed at your trajectory especially in the spa world i remember thinking like maybe i go into the spa world i like going there but you <laughs> just like kind of keep rocket rocketing up and you go to a really big company which you know is internationally famous sandals resorts you know how does that come along is it something where you're just like all right viceroy you know they may not keep the viceroy here how do you make that decision because that's hard for some people once you have that
0: title yeah, I mean, I went to Sandals because there had been a change of administrations, et cetera, at Viceroy. And that's, you know, when companies sell or new investors come in, there's always a shifting of executive officers, which happened at Viceroy. And nothing against the new executive officers who came in, but I I had built a closer bond relationship with Brad, Kelly. Yeah, and the original he, owners, creators. Yeah. <laughs> so When they left, I left. I was like, I'm going to find somewhere else. When I applied for Sandals, I didn't know I was applying for Sandals. And so... What does that mean? How does that happen? So they, there was a post. And I, don't, I don't know if it, I don't know what site it was on, but yeah. it, it's something like, you know, 26 spas in the Caribbean. And I was like, great. I mean, I'll live in Miami because I knew most people in the Caribbean who were working in, in the Caribbean, but not Caribbean nationals lived in Miami. And so I applied for it. And then once I applied for it, they called and said, this is Sandals. You have to move to Jamaica. <laughs> um, and I was like, what? <laughs> and so I'd never been to the Caribbean. But I went down. I interviewed with them, and I got the job and moved to the Caribbean for four years, five years.
1: So, what was that like? Was it weird at first, or was it exciting? How did you feel leaving? Because you've always been on the U.S. soil, and then you're going to a different
0: country on an island. What was that like? Hard, because just like you know, it may be only 90 miles or whatever it is from Miami. Or a little less, I think, a little more, 100 miles or so from Miami. But it, culturally, the Caribbean is very different. And that was a struggle. Driving on the other side of the road was really hard. I used to get the worst headaches. I was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, you are taught left, right, left, and there it's right, left. I mean, everything is backwards to you. So you're, like, mm-hmm. constantly having to relearn. So the, I'd, I'd say the first few months were kind of rough, just because it was a cultural immersion in a different culture. But I really liked working for Sandals because they're a machine. And I had not worked in a machine before. Like that had a very strong brand ethos because they were about luxury hospitality in the Caribbean, all inclusive stays. This is a very different model than the Four Seasons, which is all what we call it's like, it's like a European model, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, where you check in, check out, and right. you, you, pay it, you pay as you go. That's not how all inclusives work. And so I, le- I had to learn the whole all inclusive model. And I had to learn, you know, I think I had like 25, 26 spas overseas which was a huge remit and culturally i had to learn those cultures and you know they're all
1: different islands right that's what i'm gonna ask you
0: you got 26
1: six different spas all different cultures yeah how did you sit down and start to organize yourself because that's not just like at at this one property or i have a couple of places you're nationwide right or you're international you're mr international now what is that like
0: i had a really good and she's still there her name is paulette and she was like my number two. I, I was the corporate spa director. She was the spa operations manager and she had been there for years. And so she, so when, when you're in a situation like that, you have to rely on the people who have been there and know where all the landmines are, know where all of the mistakes have been made and you have to really trust their, trust their guidance. So I did that. She helped really smooth the path for me so that I wouldn't make unnecessary mistakes. You all of course make mistakes, but those that you can avoid, From someone else's advice you want to take that and then i just got there and did my thing and you know at this point in my career i had been doing it for like 13 years or so i knew the business of spa by that point and i knew how to go in and make the changes that needed to be made in order to make that business more successful and so at that point it wasn't the the change wasn't hard for me to come up with it was getting people to buy into it right Mm -hmm. that's always the hard part And so how do you do that
1: when you have all different cultures I mean, usually in hotels, like especially Miami, everyone's different cultures and they're all there. Is it kind of similar? You're just making sure the message is clear and people are being held accountable to the changes or is it much harder than that?
0: Well, because there were just so many properties, I had to really deal with the senior leadership of the spas at those properties because of the way Sandals was set up. The division heads of the different outlets really ran those outlets. So it's kind of a different model than what we're used to in the States. So I really worked with the senior leaders of spas and all these departments and, and and brought them into the process of the changes I wanted to make and explained why I wanted to make those changes. And so when that happens, it makes it much easier for the line staff at these different locations to sort of buy into it. Yeah. And so that, I think that, I think that really helped. And then I, you know, did a lot of, you know, you have to manage up and manage down. So I did a lot of, you know, explaining and running numbers and showing where the opportunities were if we were to make these changes that I was talking about for deputy chairman and and for my bosses and, you know, all of that. You have to do all those things.
1: Well, you do a great job there. You're there for a good amount of time, you know, almost four years. And then, you know, change kind of pops up. What happens with Sandals? Why do you leave? I left Sandals because I was recruited to go to Asia. Mm -hmm. So t- tell us about that, because I know that's not the biggest part of the story, but I'm sure it leads to the where, where you are now at some point.
0: Yeah, I went to Asia. I was only, I was only there for nine months. I, I tell you, if I, if I had a good reason to get back to Bangkok, I would move back there tomorrow. I love living in Bangkok. But I was there for nine months. They, had, they were having a very difficult time finding someone. And, the, and, and my spas were between the Maldives, Sri Lanka, Bali. So basically all the screensavers that. we see. Yeah, you know Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. We had some in China. I never went to China. I mean, I traveled through China, but never went to those properties. I had forty locations, and so I couldn't get to them all. But I, I loved, I loved living in Southeast Asia. It's an amazing part of the world. I would, I would, I would have stayed, but I, I, it wasn't a culture fit for me in terms of the company. And it's a perfectly great company, and they've been in business a very similar model to Sandals, actually, in terms of how they operate and how the structure of the company. But it was, it was not. A, culture that i was really i couldn't co-sign some of the stuff that happened and i was like i gotta go mm. so that and i trained yeah. my i didn't just like balance i trained my replacement like i was very respectful of him
1: i want to see the culture there because you know i've got i went to thailand and it's a much different spa experience like that's part of the everyday like people are getting foot massages on the streets It's like it right it's so what is it like there because that's you know yeah. what a lot of people think of spa and wellness and meditation and healing there's a lot of Eastern philosophy. Is that what you kind of saw there or was it, this is spa business?
0: I mean, and to your point, it's very hard and that's, you know, and they, they brought me in because they really wanted to bring a more Western mentality, like a business mentality to the, the spas that they had. And it's very hard because of what you said. We, we couldn't charge exorbitant prices because you could go across the street and get a really good massage for like 15 bucks. And so it's very different there because in a great way, actually, because spa, wellness, health, proper nutrition, it's like it's like a part of how they how that culture just breathes. They, they take it very seriously in a way that we don't do in the States. I think we're sort of kind of kind of getting there. It was really a lesson just in terms of, and you know, a lot of a lot of these therapists that I was working with, I, I couldn't communicate with them because I did not speak Thai and mm-hmm. sometimes I did not speak English but their parents and their grandparents were healers. And so they are like in a tradition of people who were healers in their family. So they take it very seriously, Steve. And I love that part of it. Like I said, I, I, you know, I just wasn't a fit for that company. Yeah, it makes sense. But the, but the lifestyle there was amazing. And you know, and I think a lot of the things that just happened there, we try to bring here, but you, you can't replicate because you don't have the circumstances that cause, cause that thing that you're trying to replicate to build here that was there and so especially when you say people
1: are like from a family of healers like i don't think we have that here so it makes sense of why you don't get that level of like knowledge like some of these like points and pressure points and massages that you would get over
0: there was like what's happening (laughs) it's crazy i loved it it's like basic things like you know like here when you go to a spa the therapist drapes you in a certain way and it's all of this like and i went to some spas and i wasn't even draped they were like just get on the table and go and they were just like they just have a very different relationship to the human body they have a very different relationship to how you take care of yourself <laughs> it's a very it's a very different culture but I loved it because it was just it was a great it was a great learning experience and i, I saw some beautiful places so it was it was, a, it was worth the fun nine
1: months there it sounds like it' it's a good a good experience so you come back and you get another great title with another amazing
0: company who' do you land with so I went to montage mm-hmm. which was Great. And so I have the funniest story about Montage. I was talking about it yesterday because, you know, right now, I don't know when this is going to air, but right now, you know, people are getting COVID again and the flu is crazy right now. So everyone's sick. I and just I, had the flu last week. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I had Thanksgiving dinner and then the well. flu the next day. <laughs> I've dodged that bullet so far. So I'm like, let's keep that going. But I had I had one of my managers came in to work the other day and he was really sick. And I was like, why are you here? Go home. He's <laughs> like, no, I just started. I was like, yeah, but you have the flu. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be here. So like I had just started at Montage. I had been there maybe a month and I was so sick. And <laughs> I went in one day because I had I had a meeting with my boss who was the senior vice president of operations, a great guy named James Birmingham, and our our VP of marketing a great woman named Casey Bruno. I had a meeting with him, and I was like, I have to go in because I have this meeting. I'm new here. I can't Mm -hmm. just say I'm not going to come to work. And so I went to work. I'm sweating because I have a fever. I'm coughing. I'm sneezing. So I walk into the meeting, and they're like, (laughs) (laughs) and like five minutes in, my boss, he says to me, why are you here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, we had a meeting. It'd be very disrespectful if I didn't show up for the meeting. He's like, Patrick, let me tell you one thing about montage there's nothing more important than your health and your family go home <laughs> we can do this meeting later and that kind of like to me sums up what working for montage was like it was really about those kind of values and they meant them because it, you know montage, montage is a very cool company it's small it punches above its weight in terms of what people perceive it to be yeah. and so it's a small company and, and the family who owns it are very involved and so, family is important to them. When James said that, he wasn't just making that up. Yeah, but that, that, that was my next. My no, next I love
1: time. it. You get there in 2018, early 2018, and you have a good run there. What is it like? Now you've worked at Four Seasons and Viceroy and Sandals, and you've been in Asia. What was it like getting there at this hotel? Was it a mix of a lot of things? Like you could still learn stuff there? Or was it like, I'm bringing oh, my yeah. experience now?
0: Oh, yeah. I, could, I I learned a lot there because I think Montage really does it in a very different kind of way. And it doesn't, you know, they have really carved out what they called at that point, Southern California luxury, mm-hmm. Southern California hospitality. And they had really discovered how to make a really elevated experience be totally approachable. And that was done through design. That was done through culture of the company so I thought that was really interesting to be a part of and to witness. So it was, you know, because sometimes when you, when you get into these, you know, legacy brands, they can sometimes feel very formal because they've just been around for a long time and they have their way of doing things. And I think what sort of what makes Montage a little different and stand out from that is that they really found a way of doing it in a way that is very accommodating, easy, approachable, not, you know buttoned up and ties and all that i think in some places they may have worn ties but (laughs) i think the beverly hills location at that time wore ties but i don't know i don't remember it was interesting and they really believe in their culture and they hire for it and they review you upon that just as much as the financials so they they really walk the walk which i liked a lot
1: and you're there during the pandemic right so are you guys even open during that time are you shut down what happens during
0: that time so we we obviously shut down when everyone else shut down in in March of 2020 and then based upon the state some of the hotels were able to reopen some couldn't but it was you know it was you know I think like everyone else it was very scary you know one day we were open the next day we were like close close it all down they did a, they did a great job they 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 kept as many people as they could and I think the people that were not able to be kept I think it was done so with dignity so it wasn't like they were like just get out right which I think Was the mistake some companies may have made that they didn't handle that transition very well? I know there was a lot of thought and care given to making sure that the employees across the company were well taken care of. Just in terms of there was communication, there was regular communication. There were family meals at hotels for people. So that was kind of how we got through COVID. But you know, I'll say we shut down the hotels, And, and you have to remember at that time we just didn't know. We didn't know, and. We were like, well, can we keep things open? Can't we keep things open? And then, especially okay, spas, right? And then the state—what happened? I'll, I'll never forget. I was driving to our Beverly Hills location at that point, and I was on a call in my car driving to Beverly Hills. And one of my one of my directors at one of the other properties messaged me and said, "The state of California has just said that massage therapists cannot perform massage." And so, I texted my boss, the guy who was like, "Go home." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like. Hey James, state of California just said that we can't do massage in California. He's like, shut them down. I was like, California. He's like, no, all of them. <laughs> so I turn my car back around. I, I go home and I start calling all the hotels. I'm like, here's the plan: start unplugging everything. Get, you know, we just started shutting everything down. But as we were doing that, we were also like, how do we how do we reopen? <laughs> right. We were sort of talking out of both sides of our brain, the shutdown brain, and then the, what do we do to, to reopen these spas? And so that's how we sort of approached it. Like we knew we had to close them, but we weren't like- Forever, right. Forever. So how do we get there? We always kind of had that in mind. I mean, the date to reopen kind of kept getting Moved, pushed yes. out. But we didn't ever doubt that we were going to reopen. We focused on that a lot.
1: So the, you're at a great company. It mm-hmm. sounds like you really enjoyed your time. You can tell when people enjoy their time there. Yeah, um, it was fun. Let's fun at Montage. Yeah. So what happens? Does your next company come looking for you? Because you seem like you get recruited a lot.
0: I got recruited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Boston mm-hmm. to work for a private social club as their executive director. It's called the Quinn House. Oh, my God. This club. Beautiful club. Amazing owners. The Edgerleys, Paul and Sandy Edgerleys. I went to Boston. I hated the weather in Boston. I was like, I can't live like this. <laughs> <laughs> can't do the snow like the snow was intense and they were like oh this is a mild snow year steve i was like mild (laughs) 30 inches of snow like literally 30 inches of snow i was like i can't do this so i got i got recruited again but to where i am now which is in palm springs at a resort a little beautiful resort
1: set the scene for us where are you now give us the name tell us
0: where you are so i'm at this place called we care spa which is a 28 room resort 28 guest room suites for the most part. We have about a 34, 35 room spa. We sit on 10 acres wow. in Desert Hot Springs. And it's really, I would say, the next iteration of what spa broadly in the U.S. will be. So we we obviously have massages and body treatments and all of that kind of stuff that people know. But we're also focused on nutrition. We fast. So people come there for two days so, sorry, two nights, five nights, seven nights, 12 nights, 14 nights, and they're fasting the entire time. And so we're helping them do a literal nutrition reset. And then most people are coming also because there's been a death in the family or they are trying to reset their their mind processes for the next step in their lives. So they're coming for that. So we're doing fasting, but not, not eating. There We have shakes and soups and teas and supplements and all of that that they do. And then we also do colonics to clean out the intestines and to clean out the colon, the colon of people. So it's a really interesting resort. It's a whole lifestyle. Life. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a total lifestyle. And I have to tell you, I wasn't very familiar with any of this kind of stuff until I went to work for them. Mm-hmm. And it's real for people. And they come, we, the, the repeat guest ratio there is incredibly high. The occupancy levels are quite high consistently because people have found that it is a, like you said, a lifestyle, a way of life for them. They see real results coming through and I sit with people all the time, you know, guests will come in and they'll say, you know, this place changed my life and they, they mean it when they say it, but it's, it's a beautiful property. It's small. We're 10 acres. We're not like, you know, sitting on 48. That's
1: pretty acres. big with just 28 rooms. And so yeah. this is something new too. You've never been a GM of a property. And so no, it's new. what
0: is that like for you? I spend a lot of time looking at <laughs> backup house facilities to make sure that we can operate. It's good, you know. It's it's not. I, and I, I think, I mean, you know, this coming from the food and beverage world within your subject matter expertise, you have to hold so many different pieces yes. of information, knowledge. You have to understand food and beverage is not just about what's on the plate and what's what you're drinking at the bar. You know, it's staffing, it's equipment. <laughs> yeah its major financial budgets mm-hmm. and similar to spa it's not just massages it's facilities it's human resources it's budgets it's the same thing so you you learn to you learn to multitask you learn to hold many different plates in the air so to speak when you're running these subject matter expertise areas and so you just take those lessons and apply them to what you're doing now and so you know before you know now I'm overseeing everything but it's not that different which is why you know it's 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 interesting how People think of career trajectories to becoming GMs and how the hospitality industry thinks about that, but it's not, you don't have to just go through finance or sales to do that. Right. You know, you have different, you have different modes of getting there because the principles are the same. Yeah. If you know business, you know business. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you because when I saw
1: your new title, I was like, this is so interesting because this could catapult you to a hundred room wellness property that you're a GM of and you can keep growing that way. Yeah. Or not, maybe end up back in Asia, but you who know, knows? <laughs> who knows what but I think.
0: Know. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think you hit it, Steve. It's like, if you're growing your career, you have to sort of let go of like all these ideas about what it's going to be and how it's going to look, because you don't, you don't know that all you can do is do the best where you are, make a ton of mistakes. Cause we all do and be open to what comes your way because you just, you just don't know how it's all going to play out. And people that's don't true. like that because people like to control the narrative of their lives and their careers. And it just, that's not how it works. But, you know, it's all, everything is everything, right? So everything leads to the next and everything informs the next. And so we're not not—we're not performing surgery anywhere. So it's not complicated <laughs> in that regard. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: That's great advice. Listen, I think you should just rewind that. That last 30 seconds. If you don't listen to anything else in this interview, that was just great advice from from Patrick. It really kind of hits home. Uh, especially when we are both trying all different new things and testing out new things and just putting out things into the world. You never know where it's going to be or what's, who's going to react to it or who's going to hear it. Right.
0: You have to. Right. and And I think that's I think that's the world we live in now. I think we came from a time when people got a job and stayed there for 30 years, 40 years, got the gold watch when they retired and then, you know, had a nervous breakdown when they retired. <laughs> but it's like that's not how life is anymore. Like it's way too dynamic. My interests are so varied that I've just I followed them, and so that's how I've built. I'm probably like if anyone's like teaching at like a like a Stanford Business School or Warden, they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> I've never I've never bought into the idea that there's only one way, and that you have to do it one way, and that you have to do this one thing. If it if, if it were a book, we wouldn't have the problems we have. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. Kind of- but one thing about you is that. You've
1: always worked hard, and I always believe that the hard work takes care of you. You put in the hard work, the work will take care of you, no matter what company you're with, and you make good connections with people. But look, we've gone longer than expected just because your story was so much fun to listen to. But I got one more question for you before I let you get back to running this fantastic wellness resort you're at. It's beautiful. So, Patrick, you've been really around the world. You've ran companies in different countries. You've been an actor. You've done countless things. But if you had young Patrick, Starting on your team today, he's starting with you in Palm Springs, and it's his first job in
0: hospitality. What advice would you give him? With today's world, show up, show up, show up. And you said it a minute—you said it a minute ago. It's—it's it's, you got to put in the work. And lots of times, people want the rewards and the privileges without the sweat equity, and it's like that's not how it works. You got to show up. You got to put in the work. And then when the opportunity, opportunity comes, it may not look like you think it's going to look, but take it. It's, and, and you make mistakes. And, and if you get there, make a different choice. Like nothing is written in stone until you draw your last breath.
1: <laughs> God, Well, I love that piece of advice. I think that's a good place to end this interview on sure. our, our last breath of, the, of this podcast. Patrick, I appreciate you joining me today. You've shared so much knowledge. It was great to see you again. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Steve. You're great,
1: man. I'm happy to see you. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.